Hey baseball fans, Matt Maydell here, and welcome to Baseball for Breakfast, your weekly serving of dingers and zingers. In this episode, Logan and I tackled the first series of the year. We highlight some amazing individual and team performances and compare them to our predictions for the rest of the long season. Then we finish off the pod by giving some wonderful betting advice. Can I tell you, I'm like really upset that our um, that our April Fool's joke on Brendan fell through. <laughs> that would that would have been so good. I told you, I told you that we should have done that. The fact that Lindor like tore his ACL and was out for six months that would have been so much funnier, especially in hindsight. It's well now that the contract got released like 20 minutes before we were going to do it. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. So Terrible. for people for people listening. At the opening of this pod, uh, Logan, my, myself, and a couple other friends were going to send a fake tweet to Brendan on April 1st saying that Lindor signed a massive, massive contract blown way out of proportion to what he actually got. And we hoped that Brendan was going to react interestingly. And the fake tweet was going to be sent by Mets legend himself, Bob Nightingale. But Amazing. Unfortunately, Frankie Lindor signed, you're right, about 20 minutes before we were going to make and then send the tweet. But the best part about it was the numbers that we were playing around with were like pretty close to the numbers he got. Like he got. We were thinking, or not thinking, but. 400, we were talking. Bro, we said we we were going to tweet 450. (laughs) It's not even that bad. We're We're 100 million off. Do you it's think that do you think the contract that Lindor did get was overrated though? This is what I'll say because I think it's interesting. The shortstop market is being blown up right now, clearly, right? That's so we, true, yeah. So Tatis just signed this wicked deal. The Tatis deal is different in the sense that it bought out all of his arbitration years and basically his entire MLB career. Whereas Lindor, this is his first big deal, but he has already played on arbitration and and such and such. I like this deal. Um more than the Tatis deal because Lindor's earned it more for sure. Cause let's remember Tatis barely played on this deal before this deal, but Lindor is making a ton of money for someone coming off a down year. And it's very clear to me that the Mets were giving him the blank check he wanted and he set the bar pretty high. I don't, I think it's going to be hard for a shortstop to beat this deal. And if they do, it's, it's going to be insane. Cause he's making, what is it like 35 million a year for 10 years? Something like that. I mean, if you ask me, I think Seeger deserves it more like a contract like this a little bit more. I, I, I would disagree. I know you're not would, a fan of him. I'm not a fan of Seeger because also keep in mind, Lindor's a switch hitting. That's what I'm saying. Like there is, there is value with, with him being a switch hitter. I don't know his splits lefty versus righty. I mean, I know he hit his home run against the Yankees in the playoffs. while well, a lefty. I'll never get that image out of my head. Hilarious. But like I feel, I feel that Seager is just a better player, just overall. I would still disagree with you, maybe irrationally. That's the hottest take though. you ever heard in your life. But I don't even care. No, but I no, I truly though, Lindor is is a top three shortstop, probably top two, depending on how you rank Tatis right now. Lindor at his. Best I think I think Seager's better. I think Seager's better. I. Neither here nor there, Lindor is getting paid to be a premier baseball player, regardless of position, regardless of age. 
Agreed. Agreed. 34 point like something million dollars for 10 straight years in the one of the biggest markets in baseball under a very loud organization right now. It, he has to come out playing guns a blazing, you know, having an amazing year or else the optics are going to be tough in New York. Well, opening day at the time we're recording this opening day is for the Mets is in like a couple of hours because Correct. of COVID, which we'll get into in a sec. What I'll say about Lindor is that he's a very marketable star. I mean, his nickname is Mr. Smile, so he's a very happy-go-lucky guy. And in New York, I think that's much more valued than in any other place. Like, who cares if he's Mr. Smiley Pants in Cleveland? In New York, in New York, he's this jovial, jubilant, happy guy who is going to brighten anyone's day. It's 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 not as much marketing as it is like for a championship, but I think his personality and just the way that he plays the game and is, I don't know if he had, I don't think he has any big scandals, but like the way that the way that he represents the game, I think is very important for the Mets and just for major league baseball in general. I'll say that Lindor getting a big contract, no matter what is great precedent for major league baseball in that it sets, it sets the fact apart that, Good guys can make money as much as bad guys. This is true. And also, I will like to say that I do like this deal for the Mets. I was a little hard on it money-wise. I think it's a lot of money. But yeah, I think I'm still hard on it. But I think I'm still hard on it money-wise. But I think it, I think it's to lock they, up a good shortstop like Lindor is solid. They also, they when they traded away Jimenez and Rosario, there was not a single chance he was going to hit free agency if the Mets had anything to say about it. So the yeah. the the... The necessity for the Mets to make this deal and to get their guy. Now, I would argue, do they even need a face of the franchise when they have the best pitcher in baseball? Maybe, maybe. I not. mean, you could argue that Degrom is the face of the franchise already. I, I don't That's, know. I it's would argue tough. that because again, a big thing with the Mets and with Lindor is batting average, where Rosario had a lot of upside with the batting average, and Lindor does too, but the Mets led the league in batting average last year. So does this make a strength stronger or the opposite? Sure, Either way, defensively, that's for sure. Defensively, certainly. And, I mean, we could talk about that trade again, but, like, uh, Rosario and Jimenez are an all-right package. Again, like, we, we talked about this when it happened, and we're like, all right, the Indians got fleece. But yeah, they did. It was for me, it was mostly about Carrasco more than Lindor. But now Carrasco's injured, so now you have to look at Lindor. Let's, I, I think we're both in consensus that it's like, all right, maybe a little bit more money than we would have given if we were Uncle Steve, but it's a solid deal nonetheless. His hands are tied. He made a good deal. He got his guy. He got we'll the see what happens. He got the bad ravioli when they had dinner on Passover, but you know what? He got he got his guy. That's amazing all amazing that passing tweet. One of the best passing tweets of the year. Not the best, obviously, but one of the best. One of the best. So um, the Mets were yeah. supposed to the Mets were supposed to debut with every other team on Thursday, and then like a bajillion players on the Nationals got COVID, and now that whole series was delayed. The Mets are playing tonight against Philly which we have both bet on against the Mets, which will be hilarious. And the Nationals, I think, are delayed until tomorrow. Correct. I mean, like, I don't think this is... We were talking about this before. I don't really think this is news. I think it's important to mention. But, like, it's the same stuff over and over again. Just, like, 
I mean, this happened to the Marlins and Cardinals last year. And th- wait, did the Cardinals make the playoffs? No, yeah. they didn't. Oh, they did. No, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They literally did. Yeah. Yeah, they totally did. So did the Marlins. So it's like the Nationals are making the playoffs. <laughs> Confirmed. I literally predicted it. No, I didn't I actually. But I do think they're going to come in third in the in the. All right. It's but, we're not about that right now. No, but it is interesting because with so many. I mean, it feels where we live in New York. It feels like everybody's getting vaccinated. It feels like things are kind of feeling normal, kind of, if you squint hard enough. Even but there are a lot states. of there are a lot of states that aren't getting vaccinated as much as like the Northeast is or like exactly. even like even like New York. I, I don't I think New York is way ahead of New Jersey. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. And of course, baseball players are like realistically should be the last people to get it because they are healthy, you know adults and they're not they don't have pre. i don't know man prince fielder he might need it (laughs) (laughs) prince fielder is out of the league however however some other old stars played well which we'll talk about but no it is interesting that the nationals already have COVID issues um it might be a little bit earlier than we expected because you know there is a ramp up there was a, a quasi quarantine period before the season to avoid this obviously mistakes happen um Correct me if I'm wrong. Soto got COVID like the beginning of last year too. Yeah, he did. I remember that. He totally did. Yeah. So you hate to see it if you're the Nationals. I don't know what they're doing right before the season starts, but I don't know. Kind of not great. But yeah, they're going to be playing tomorrow. Um, It is funny for the the Mets though, because they were going to have to face off against Scherzer in game one. And now they're facing off against Matt Moore of the Phillies, who has not pitched in like two years. Yeah, but it's like you got to bet against the Mets on opening day. Otherwise, oh, yeah, what's obviously. the point? The, the odds the point? are insane. This is not a betting podcast. However, if you're going to bet, uh, the we highly don't recommend you bet against the Mets on opening day. <laughs> yeah, all are a lock on opening day, but as we know in betting, Vegas knows best and the odds are forever not in their favor right now. So... Well, I do want to, I do want to bring up the point that, you know, the Mets have the best record on, on opening day on their initial game of the season. Um, I've, I, in terms of major league baseball in the entire history, I think okay. it's like Mets, Mariners, Orioles, Yankees. Correct. Now the Yankees, it makes sense why they're good on opening day. Cause they're just a good franchise and they have good teams. Uh, the Mariners and Orioles is a little iffy, but the Mets make, it makes total sense why they're so good on opening day because they are a franchise that relies on pitching historically in the sixties and seventies. You had guys like Tom Seaver in the eighties, you had doc Gooden and then, now you have Jacob DeGrom. I don't know if he started like so many opening days, but still, I mean, he, think about he started four in a row. Okay. Well, there you go. I think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not that he gets run support, but my point being that the right. Mets are a franchise that values pitching over everything. So it makes sense that their number one starter is one of the best in baseball. Ergo, they win the first game of the season because of that starter. It makes sense. Ipso facto. That's just, it's just a little history lesson for everybody who's listening at home, but back to the present because opening day happened. All right. It's exciting. I'm excited. Oh, it happened. It did happen. It was, it was interesting. There were some good results. Um, some certainly interesting ones. Um, just to go through a couple of the scores, some highlights, Yankees lost hilarious. It was a very close game, low scoring, not what you expect from a Yankees. Blue oh, are we game. talking? Op- are we just talking opening day? Yeah, I'm just going through some, some, you know, some notable scores from opening day. Well, all right, the Yankees. Let's 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 talk opening series because I think we okay. could get a little bit big picture, and we could start with the Yankees because obviously we're both Yankee fans, and this isn't a Yankee podcast. Yankee podcast with me and Logan coming soon. Just kidding, <laughs> but um, 
No, it was important to note what happened with the Yankees against the Blue Jays. Both teams did not hit incredibly well, and their run differential throughout the series was one. So it's not like these games weren't close, and it's not like one team dominated the other. Uh, a couple of takeaways, especially from the Yankees' side, is that the pitching was carried by the bullpen. The bullpen was lights out, and the starters were so-so. I think we were a little disappointed from Kluber and Herman, and Cole looked good on opening day, but it just didn't totally work out. I think he went like five plus with like two runs. So not like Cole stats, but certainly solid. And then the Yankees bats just didn't hit. The only guys who hit were like Sanchez and Gary Sanchez and Clint Frazier. Like that was it. Yeah, the Yankees can't buy a clutch hit, which has been a problem for like several years now. Um, yeah, that's why we win all the World Series. Correct. I agree. Um, yeah. Uh, also, our bullpen looked amazing. Credit to the Blue Jays bullpen, though, because they also looked amazing. They shut us down for. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if Julian Merriweather like wins the Cy Young this year? <laughs> Julian? No, he seriously like he reminds me like his fastball looks like Kimbrel's fastball. Like the amount of un like stupid swings we had against it. Yeah. Like, it looks disgusting. I mean, you know? if you want to make an even better judgment, it looks like Chapman just because of how fast it is in his position as a closer. That's that's true. He also, I mean, he also Merriweather has a changeup that goes eighty, and a fastball that goes a hundred. So yeah. that that's that'll make you look silly stupid at the plate. And you could ask any Yankee hitter because he actually had a near immaculate inning in Game One, and, and then went one two three in Game Three. It was correct. He made us look so incredibly bad against the heart of the order as well. So, yeah, I think if Springer is is not injured, it's a totally different series. And I think the Blue Jays, just the whole lineup opens up that way. But I mean, Randall Grichuk had a great series as well as as well as um, Teoscar Hernandez hit a home run. Vladdy hit a home run, even though he sucks at first base. He also walks so incredibly much. You could not be more different from his dad as far as play discipline. It's insane. Excuse you. Do not insult Vlad Sr. Thank you. Was not an insult. <laughs> okay. Maybe fight me. I will. Um, I the, I think the big thing from this Yankees Blue Jays series is if this is this was this felt like a postseason matchup. Like yeah, just the way that the games sort of transpired, it it felt like this could happen in the postseason, and it possibly might. Both of these teams are pretty solid and could make the playoffs. I think the Yankees have a better chance than the Blue Jays, but the Blue Jays have a sneaky good roster. I was scared watching their whole lineup go by every se- like one through nine. I was scared, and again, it's a single bad hitter. Not exactly, and when Springer comes in, who are they going to not start in the outfield? Because like you got Guriel, Grichik, and Hernandez, and then Springer comes back. Yeah, you're I don't know, man. Tellez coming off the bench, which is a crazy bench bat. I. They have a very incredible offense, and their defense looked good too, for the most part, aside from yeah. Um, I think Bichette had a couple of good plays. Biggio did too. Bichette plays a beautiful short. I mean, actually, he plays all over the infield with the way they shift, which is bizarre. But they're a very good defensive team, and Springer can hold his own out there too. So they're they're a really solid team. Uh, the starting pitching is a problem, but it wasn't this series. So. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah, I think that both of these teams were a little fluky in a bunch of different ways. Like, I think the Blue Jays pitching isn't as good as it actually was against the Yankees. And I don't think the Yankees hitters are as bad as they were against the Blue Jays pitching. I I think these teams are both really good. Again, the Yankees more than the Blue Jays, 
but it's a very interesting series to say the least. I'm not disappointed. I'm just a little bit anxious to see the bats really get going because, you know, we pay these guys to hit home runs and, you know, we play in a little league stadium for a reason. But <laughs> actually, we literally do. So, yeah. But let's move on to another series within the AL East. Uh, Orioles, Red Sox. Sweepity doo The Orioles Insane. are in first place. Yeah. The what, was Orioles... the set you, what was the set you were telling me? They have like 30 singles and 30 strikeouts or something? Yeah. So the Orioles had like zero home runs and 30 strikeouts in this series and they won and their run differential was like absurdly high plus 13 to be specific. Yeah. And like, that's even like on the lower end, like if you were watching those games, like the Red Sox were not in it for almost any second of those games. It was, it was bad. Well, I think we knew that the Red Sox were going to be pretty putrid this year. The Orioles are like kind of a bright spot. It was interesting to see how not, I don't want to say dominant, but like they played good baseball. John Means yeah. had a crazy start in opening day, and then it just kind of carried from there. I was going to say, the, in opening day, the Red Sox had two hits the whole game. That's what I'm saying. Like, with, with starting pitchers, and Michael K said this also with the Yankees broadcast, and this kind of goes into my whole Aaron Nola winning the Cy Young, Phillies winning the NL East sort of bold prediction that I had a couple of episodes ago. Like, if you have one good start, it could open up your whole pitching staff, your entire pitching staff. So the Orioles were not sweating at all. But again, the only problem is that you ha- you're not hitting home runs and you're striking out a lot, which is not a great combination. Yeah. And you that, either I mean, want, you either in an ideal world, if you strike out a lot, you want to hit a lot of home runs. That's an ideal. He's about it. They do a very good job of it. I agree. <laughs> no. Yeah. So the, I mean, the Orioles, especially in game three, they had a 17 hits for 11 runs against Garrett Richards, who is like one of the better pitchers on the Red Sox, who looked horrendous, like everyone that the Red Sox threw out there was a problem. And it's not as if the Orioles have this star studded rotation. The rotation is probably bottom five in the league. So it's an interesting start. However, Jacob Means had a very good. John Means. John John Means. I'm sorry. I always say Jacob Means. I don't know. Jacob Junis. John Means. Whatever. John Means had a very good rookie year. Last year, he didn't play much or at all. And now he's back. So it would be interesting to see if he kind of blossoms into the, into the guy that Gossman and Bundy were supposed to be for the Orioles and that never were. I could see it happening for them. He's not going to carry them, but he could win a bunch of games against a very good offense that the Red Sox have. So that was a very interesting start for the year. I mean, the Orioles are in first. I will like to say, though, the Orioles were in first last year after two series. And they did not end the season in first or second <laughs> yeah. or third. I agree. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, Orioles are, I guess, a his, you know, recent history says they're a very good beginning of the season team. So we'll see if they hold up. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, I, I'm not really that excited about that series in particular. In terms of the long run, it was cool to see the Orioles do really well. But they're both fun. not good teams. They're going to be the bottom of the barrel teams. Let's be very serious. Um, moving on, uh, let's stay in the AL East, but this is an interleague series. Rays Marlins, a little bit more competitive than you might've thought. The Rays did really well in game one. They pitched a shutout. Um, I think they, they won game two and then they lost game three, like 12 to seven. And the new acquisitions for the Rays, especially in game three in the pitching department, Rich Hill and Chris Archer did not look good. <laughs> it's almost as if, wait for it, 
Archer hasn't been good in several years, and Rich Hill is very old. <laughs> like, you know, you I know? agree with the sentiment. Yeah, I I was gonna say like the Marlins bats, which Brendan is very quick to herald, um, were really bad in Game One, and then they were at, contrarily really or comparatively really good in Game Three. They had 14 hits and 12 runs um, for a team that should figure to hit a decent amount of home runs with Aguilar and steal a bunch of bases. They have a lot of speed. They're a very interesting constructed roster. Um, stealing a game from the Rays, you'll take it. I think if you're the Marlins, no. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the wait, did you say, wait, did you say the Marlins stealing a game from the Rays? Is that what you said? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. No, I I'll mean, take it. <laughs> that's pretty solid. I'll totally take it. Starla Marte had a great series. He's batting 500 right now. And just the, the, the Marlins lineup itself is full of guys who were always on the cusp of being really good. So their run differential with the Rays for this series was min- was minus two. Or, I'm sorry, I think it was plus two for the Marlins and minus two for the Rays. Either way, the run differential between the two teams was only two runs. So this was a very close game. This was a very close series. If you look at it in its entirety, the games weren't as close. Uh, like, the one nothing shutout in game one was really why this series was as quote-unquote close as it was. Right. But, I mean, a, a very proto, a very prototypical race series where you don't have any offense and you have lights-out pitching, and then you have a lot of offense and no pitching. What else is new? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was, that was you know, that was an interesting result. Um, actually, one series I want to highlight, this is out of order if we were going in any sort of order. I'm not really sure. I was just doing the AL East, but... Yeah, I don't know. One series, though, that I thought was, like, super interesting, the Cardinals-Reds series was bizarre. Like, very weird. So, let's just remember, the Reds lost Bauer, um, which was the biggest loss they had, and they did not replace him really in the in the rotation and then they were awful on offense in the playoffs last year and then they come out they lose 11-6 on opening day but they get 10 hits then in their following game they had a interesting result in which they score nine runs on 11 hits and they beat the cardinals and in the next game they score 12 runs on nine hits yeah their offense is great it's they're alive again. That's exciting. Well, alive for three games, we should say. I mean, yeah, Castellanos has two home runs. Um, he's back to being the slugger. He started the season as last year and then was awful in the second half. I would argue he's going to keep it up this year because he's shown in the past he can be electric. So he's going to be amazing. Uh, jo- the rest of those bats. Jonathan India is batting 455. Jesse Winker is batting 375. Like also against a good rotation too. The Cardinals yeah. have pitching. Yeah, Flaherty. Who started game two and game three for them? Martinez started game three, or he started one of those two games, and then it might have been Michaelis. Mikolas? I don't. Uh, I say Michaelis, but there's no point in trying to correct you anymore. I don't disagree. the The big talking point, though, for at least that series regarding Castellanos is the fight that happened where he got, I think he got plunked or he got, he had a home run then he got plunked. And then I think he came around and scored and he stared down Yadier Molina at home plate. And then 
I don't want to say all hell broke loose because, I mean, we've seen some solid baseball fights and this was just like benches cleared and there was like a little bit of shoving. Yeah, but... it, was pretty, it wasn't like too dramatic, but like for those that don't know Yadier Molina's like disposition, he's a scary guy. Like he's been involved not in a million fights, but I, he's one of the last people I'd want to fight with if I'm going to bat next to him. Like, I don't know. That's that takes some guts. Um, so. Yeah, Bauer actually tweeted that he loves the fight. He he actually sent a Twitter poll saying, should all fights be allowed in baseball? Would it be more interesting? I don't remember the results, but that's... Just... I don't trust anything he says on Twitter. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm... Really? I can't imagine why. I'm done with Trevor Bauer. <laughs> um, but it was an interesting result, and the reason we're bringing it up is because Castellanos was actually suspended two games for the incident. It is no pending other... appeal. He is trying to appeal it. But he is appealing at, it, but at no the moment else was uh, suspended. No, and a lot of people said that Yachty should be suspended because there is a still photo of him like grabbing, I think it's Castellanos' neck, like trying to calm him down when he was engaging in another fight <laughs> within the same fight. Yeah, uh, a little bit weird. Honestly, it should always be questioned when one player gets suspended from multiple games and nobody else gets suspended because then why did that one, like there was obviously an instigating factor for... Yeah. You know, I mean, he did instigate it. Castellanos was the one who started the fight. If true. He, I, I mean, okay. I don't want to say he started the fight, but he definitely antagonized yeah. Yachty. I'll say that's, that. That's true. He antagonized Yachty. He also and on players. top of that, on top of that, Yachty is a staple, not only in St. Louis, but across baseball. And he is a gold star on the history of catching. So you could say that the MLB was like trying to protect him a little bit. I wouldn't be totally mad at that claim. Uh, I, but, I mean, it's a little bit immoral probably but i i'm not yeah sure. no it i mean of course but like it's, it's an can you really result. say that anyone else did anything so badly besides castellanos and no, not to say that what he did was so bad yeah i was gonna say i don't think this game i don't think this fight was so bad I, like of all the of all the fights we've seen this was not like the you know odor versus batista but oh, like, beauty that one was like legend legendarily what good. a beauty yeah, like when I see right, it was it was yeah, it was Bautista. His when his cheek rippled in slow yeah, motion. That was the that was the the hardest punch I've seen on television outside of UFC in my entire life. Incredible. It was amazing. It, it was, was nothing amazing. like that. This was just Castellanos hitting a dinger and paying the price for it. I mean, no, no, like, no. He got remember he home run and then he got plunked and then I think right. he scored. No, yeah, that he hit the dinger, then paid the price in the in the you know, the, and the, then the price getting hit, you know. Now you could say that the 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 plunking was unintentional, which I usually like to defer towards. I'm not one to be like, oh, all pitchers are evil and they want to. I mean, like Castellanos had showboat a little bit on his home run, as he should. And I think that his stare down was very unwarranted. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's always interesting when pitchers hit the guy that's like doing well on offense like uh, yeah castellanos was one of the stars of the week in my opinion yeah, of like course. he had a he's, great he had a great three games yeah he's a great hitter so yeah i mean it's definitely interesting he's going to appeal i wouldn't be surprised if it gets reduced by a game but realistically he'll probably serve the suspension in a week or so yeah i mean it's not like it's not like the reds aren't loaded or should be loaded at least. They should at least be better. But they're also, nah, I'm not even going to say that. They're not that good of a team, realistically. But Kasey they are, though. They really are. They have such high potential. It's it's unbelievable how offense, terrible they are. Who, who in their offense really gets you excited? I love Suarez. And, like, Votto okay. is always solid. He was not great last year. I love no, I, I know love he Suarez. wasn't. I know I he wasn't. Suarez, I think Suarez gonna... Moustakis, 
Jesse Winker, Winker had a great series. Winker's been great. That's true. Jonathan India just came up. Taylor Trammell's not on the team anymore. No. <laughs> Imagine if Nick Senzel could hit the baseball. Then, then you'd be, you'd be. Uh, Nick Senzel and Scott Kingery. What is this? 2015. <laughs> That's literally those two players are why we don't overpay shortstop before they succeed. Looking at you, Padres. No, that's but, why. That's why whatever. prospect. That's why prospects are always overvalued in any sport. Anyway, a quick note about the Cardinals, though the Reds' opponent. Um, my top favorite, my two favorite players in baseball were batting back to back, and both had insane series. So Beautiful. I'm I'm smiling ear to ear at Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. They went six for ten on opening day, and have since they're both batting three eighty five right now. Uh, Arenado hit a home run and has three RBIs. Goldschmidt has an RBI himself. Um, the rest of the Cardinals lineup is like kind of doing whatever at this point. Oh, who actually, Grant- Young is doing amazing. Is he? Yeah, at least in I remember after the second game. Well, he has two home season. runs. Okay, he has two home runs. Yeah. So, excuse me. He's he's amazing. I love the Young. I'm big fan. Yeah. of him every he year. He was he was like. He is the Trey Mancini of the, the 2017 rookie class with Behind. like Judge and Ballinger. Correct. Yep. Yeah, because DeYoung. Well, who came in second? Was it Mancini or Benintendi? Against no, Benintendi, I think. But Benintendi. Okay. Well, either Man- way, Mancini's a better player. Put it on record. I, I will die on I'm that. I'm down. Right. Who hit the grand slam? Why? Oh, oh, Dylan Carlson. Yeah. yeah. So oh, I Dylan said Carlson. Dylan Carlson. No. Nelson Lament. No, I I said from the beginning that it was pretty much a guarantee that Arenado and Goldschmidt were going to be good, and in order for the Cardinals lineup to do really well, their young guys would have to shine. Now, no, they're one and two to start the season, but Dylan Carlson hitting hitting a grand slam is a very bright spot. Yeah, very very good result. They just, I mean, not a very good result, but very good early results from the offense. It's the pitching that's been a problem for a team that's had amazing pitching. But positive regression is to come, hopefully, and if not, you'll hear about it. So that's that series. What, let's what go. Series? Let's go completely out of order again. Let's okay. talk. Let <laughs> let's talk Angels White Sox because that one that was a really exciting series. A very exciting Sunday night baseball last night. I didn't really watch it. I watched some of the highlights. Um, I mean, Jared Walsh had a couple of nukes and Shohei Otani. Yeah, he he hit one late. He hit one too. during the game, which was a. Uh, he hit one during the game, which I think tied it, or maybe it was just like it gave the Angels a lead. It was a big home run, I know that. And then he hit the walk off in the bottom of the ninth. Right. Yep. I mean, the Angels being three and one over the White Sox, who are now one and three, is really interesting. Really, really interesting because I at least thought that the Angels underachieved this past offseason in not getting Bauer. Because starting pitching is always an issue with the Angels. And now, well, not now. I don't want to say that, you know, like this is going to carry over the rest of the, for the rest of the season. But them beating a team like the White Sox, who are, as Brendan would like to say, a trendy team, but I would say are just a very good young team. Them beating the White Sox is a story, let me tell you. And the fact that Shohei Otani pitched and hit and is still alive to tell the tale is a good sign in LA. <laughs> well, actually for a second there, we were a little nervous. So for the fans back home, Otani threw 101 and struck a guy out, made him look silly and then came around to bat and then hit a 450 foot nuke to dead center. He is currently leading in highest 
velocity on a pitch and highest exit velocity on a hit. <laughs> and it was in the same same game. That's actually a really cool stat. That's a really cool stat. That never happened before. Like not even I, you don't even have to check the record books like before the Statcast era. There's no way. Yeah, there's no, no way. There's like one player in history that's even like qualified to even like bring in that stat, and there's no way he did it. Yeah. Um. Or of so course was. We're of course, referring to Lou Gehrig. No. no <laughs> yeah, you got us. Um. Yeah. So that was an interesting result. However, there was a really weird play later in the game where, let's see if I can recount this correctly. It's very confusing. There was a passed ball that Otani threw. There's a there's a player running to first. The cat Stasi, the catcher, throws it to first, gets overthrown. Then that ball from first gets thrown home to Otani to then get the runner out at home because he came home to score. And the runner, uh, what is it, cleated? Is that the term? Cleated Otani. And Otani like fell over like a domino. And it was a scary moment because, you know, Otani's made of glass and he is basically the entire, he's the heart and soul of a team minus Trout and Rendon, maybe even more than Rendon. So they need Otani in the rotation for sure. And that totally. clearly plays. And so he left the game and everyone was holding their breath, but he got up and walked. And it was later determined that he was, quote, shaken up. Or he said it was like my whole body was sore, but he's fine. There's no injuries. Yeah, he's fine. He's but fine. he, for a second there, it was pretty scary. But yes, he, he, he left the game mostly unscathed. And now we get to see Otani at his best, which is, Tons of fastballs, a crazy swing that has a lot of power potential, and the Angels win the game. So yeah. I always love um, those um, Asian players have a very balanced hitting stance. Generally, yes. I love the I love the batting stances. I love watching Hideki Matsui hit, and I love. I mean, I don't really like Otani because I think he's not fluky, but just I I don't think this is like a proven thing what he's doing. I, he really has to prove himself to be worth all the money that he's getting paid. But I love watching the swings of like him, Matsui, Suzuki, Ichiro. It was like so much yeah. fun. So, I will say Otani's swing is one of the most level. Like it's just so it's two hands the, the whole way through super controlled, very, very great swing. Yeah. So it's a, it's a lovely thing. And the, the bat speed it's, it's fun to watch. So watch that home run. Hopefully he's healthy enough and we can continue watching him. Play. I mean, he hit another one also. Like he's he's having a really good start to the season. Yeah, he is. But, he's a very good hitter. But speaking of that series and speaking of someone who's historically having the best start to a season of all time, uh, Yermin Mercedes started off the season eight for eight. <laughs> First yeah. time in the modern era that that has ever happened. Also, have you ever heard of Yermin Mercedes before in your entire life? No, because he had one game under his belt before that. <laughs> so, you know, very interesting stuff. And for a White Sox team that was figuring to be one of the best in the AL, for them to get a seemingly random player to go eight for eight that we've never heard of, that's impressive. So yeah. kudos to him and them. Um, yeah, he he's a very hot pickup in fantasy right now. I missed out on the chance. So, yeah. What are you going to do? That being said, though, besides... A Jose Abreu Grand Slam, the I don't know if top two is the right descriptor for Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson, but like I maybe they're the faces yes. of the franchise. Maybe you could argue it. I would argue it. Right, you could argue it. Yeah, the faces of the franchise, at least in the batting order right now, did not have the greatest of series. Um, which is a little concerning. But again, 
four games, not the biggest of deals. I'm not really freaking out about it. I don't know if you are, but just interesting to note. Um, it, they made the Angels pitching look bad, which the Yankees did the same with the Blue Jays for two teams that don't have good pitching. So that's, you know, that's noteworthy. Um, but, you know, a couple other, what's the next series you want to go through? Dude, I don't even care. I don't <laughs> even care. Let's talk. You know what? Let's, let's continue this jumping around thing because I'm having a lot of fun with it. Minnesota, Milwaukee. Can we talk about Jose Barrios and oh, yes. Corbin Burns for a sec? Oh my God. What a matchup. I think this was Saturday night, right? I think it was Saturday. It was Saturday night, 100%. It was Saturday night. uh, Jose Barrios and Corbin Burns, both potentially Cy Young candidates, possibly. I'm not going to totally say that. I'm still picking Brendan Woodruff for the memes, but they both were pitching perfect games into like the sixth inning. (laughs) It was unbelievable. If you were watching the game, like they each had like double digit strikeouts through six. Like they both looked like amazing. And then Passon tweeted, I think it was Passon, or it might have been one other reporter. He tweeted, like, if you're not watching this game, you're missing out. And then promptly after that, uh, Byron Buxton, I think, hit a home run off of yeah. uh, Corbin Burns. And they and won then, that game two nothing. And actually, I could I could be wrong, but I think they took Berrios out with a no-hitter active. They took him out with a perfect game active. <laughs> no, I think he hit a batter. I'm pretty sure he hit a batter. Oh, maybe so. But either way, like there was a f- combined five hits between these two teams. Like it was an all time best pitching performance I've seen in my life for the two teams. So that was really, really cool. Um, the Twins came away with that win. Of course, they, the Brewers actually got one hit that whole game and they got shut out, obviously. Yeah, which is not a great look. No, I, I said it in the beginning of the year. I don't like the Brewers offense. And I said they would they would need Yelich to be unbelievable to contend and he has not been unbelievable (laughs) it's not a surprise to me that they got shut out with one hit that's not like the craziest of results against a very good pitcher in Barrios yeah I mean I struggled the following day too yeah their lineup is supposed to be run producing run producing run producing and they produced eight runs in three games which is not fantastic I mean it's a little bit I think it's the exact number that the Yankees put up which is even more concerning, but yeah, you want to talk about con- that's concerning. Yes, yeah. I agree. And I mean, um, the pitching didn't really help the cause. So not, it's not, it's never good when your pitcher is a no hitter and you lose that game. That's tough. Yeah. It's not great. <laughs> it's yeah. Not but great. at the same time, we kind of expected the twins to have another solid season at the plate. And they did just win like 15 to six over the tigers which I know we're not talking about that series, but it is important to note that Nelson Cruz almost hit a grand slam and then hit a grand slam in the same at bat two pitches later. I agree. Insane. I agree. Yeah. And he also hit another home run later in the, in the game. You know, he did do that. Very true. As he, as he tends to do, if you've been watching Cruz play the last five years, you know how hard he hits the ball every single time he gets up to bat. Yeah. It's population Nelson Cruz in ding dong city. Let me tell I you. Agree. Um, yeah. So the twins, they come away with a two, one series win over the brewers. Um, so the NL central is definitely struggling. Um, yeah, the NL central is actually struggling because also the pirates played the Cubs. The pirates did not have a good series. They, they are one and two against the Cubs. Um, the Cubs actually won a game with getting three hits. They had four runs on three hits and won that game for three. Yeah, this is the way. Yeah. Weird. I mean, Zach Davies pitched like a dog. Uh, Mitch Keller did not. 
And Kimbrell got a save, which is exciting because Kimbrell Let's was go. garbage last year. Our Bonzo beans. And now he's back, maybe. Also, Kenley Jansen got two saves, or at least one save. In so, LA? Oh, we just, are we not talking about Chicago or Pittsburgh at all? I mean, okay, Brian Hayes hit a home run, but like. He's also hurt. He just got hurt. Cool, wonderful. But like, okay, Chicago's up. They won two out of three games. Against Good the worst team in baseball. Not, and yeah, it's not really that exciting. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, if the Cubs are like, they're, they're up 2 1 against the Pirates in the series, like, that's, they're the, now leading the NL Central. Or they're the 2 and 1 Cubs, I think. So that's tough. Um, cause I don't, I don't anticipate the Cubs being too good. They might win 80 games, maybe. So we'll see. We'll have to see. You want to talk about, let's talk about Kenley Jensen and the Dodgers, a very high scoring series against the Rockies. Dodgers won three out of four. Uh, Trevor Bauer almost had a no hitter and then he gave up like six runs or something in the bottom of the seventh and blew the it. Most, yeah. It's the most Trevor Bauer thing I've ever seen in my life. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, Cody Bellinger had a home run that was not a home run and it actually was an RBI single. Which was hilarious. That was, that was a crazy. That was a crazy hit. Yeah. So what happened was, here's the issue. What happened was, uh, Bellinger technically hit a home run, but he was confused as to if it actually went over the fence. So he ended up passing Justin Turner on the base paths. So I think he was called out, and that Turner scored a run, aka RBI single. Which is, we were watching this game happen on TV. And we saw the hit, and we were genuinely confused about how this was going to get scored. And I think we were all wrong. Like I don't think a single one of us in the room is me, Brendan. I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be that he was going to get credited with a home run. Same. I I didn't know the rules either. Like I wasn't one hundred percent sure which runner is called out in that circumstance. Neither was I, but I did know that there is an out on the play if for sure runners cross. That I knew. That we knew. Uh, if you told me that it was going to be Bellinger got an RBI single and was out on the play, like bizarre. Um, yeah. And it was, it left the park just so we're completely clear on that. It's very weird, but that was very fun. Uh, but the Dodgers lost. So yeah, you hate to see it. Um, they also had 15 hits and five runs and lost that game. Again, really weird. Um, weird yeah, it was a very high scoring game. series with just a lot of hits all around, which makes sense. It was in Colorado. So. Yeah. Also, Colorado's offense has been terrible, but it's good to see them hitting now. I mean, Trevor's story is always amazing, and he had a good series. Um, yeah, they ended up. Yeah, actually, the Dodgers had 15 hits in Game One, then 16 in Game Two. So, like, that's I guess as to be expected, but that's a lot of hits, and then 12 in Game Three. So, the Dodgers' bats are batting. That's for sure. They're pitching not as much, but you know, good good series. They're up two one. So three one. Well, not, yeah. Oh yeah, you're. Oh, I forgot they played a fourth game yesterday. Yeah, they played four. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, take Dodgers look good. Very simple. Dodgers look good. Pitching was a little bit off. Uh, Bauer like had a weird start. Kershaw was off. Kershaw was off. He didn't look good, but Urias looked amazing yesterday. Yeah, so that's good. So that's what you like to see. And I mean, the Dodgers have plenty of resources to rebuild from quote unquote subpar pitching performances by their two biggest pitching stars. Either way, nothing to fret in LA. Three and one record, super solid. Let's stay in the NL West. Um, let's talk about San Diego, Arizona. Another pretty underwhelming series. Not really much that we didn't expect. San Diego just played pretty solidly all around. And Arizona's not a great team. This is true. Yeah. Uh, Padres hit. I mean, we knew they were going to. Eric Hosmer is 
up there in terms of leaders in batting average. He had an awesome series, absolutely crazy series for him. Uh, Tatis hit a home run. I'm trying to think of anything else big. I mean, all the Padres, big star pitchers debuted. Darvish pitched, uh, Snell pitched, and Musgrove pitched. Correct. Um, yeah, they're, they pitched pretty well. They hit pretty well. Uh, one thing I would like to note, which is interesting, because they should be an amazing defensive team, but I think they have like six or seven errors on the season already. Um, well, good for and, them. <laughs> yeah, that's odd. Like, Tatis is one of the best fielders in the league. Hosmer is supposed to be. Machado is. And just that infield alone, they should not allow a single error. And I don't know where the errors were. I'm assuming the outfield, just based on probability speaking. But just interesting. I don't know. You hate to see it if you're the Padres. But they're also 3-1 and one against a not-so-good team. So Dodgers and Padres are 3-1 and one to start the year against division rivals. And then... Taxes. And then the Giants, who played the Mariners, are one and two. A very, very close series overall. A run differential of only two runs between the two clubs. The most interesting thing to note, at least in my opinion, about this series is uh, Buster Posey has two home runs, which is hilarious. What is it, 2011? Please. Weird. Yeah, definitely weird. Also, Pablo Sandoval hit a home run this weekend. So, like, well, that's really- in it. We'll get to Atlanta. We'll, let. We'll save them towards the end, but <laughs> yes, I'm sure the Giants. I'm sure the Giants fans are very happy to see Pablo hit a home run. Yeah, that was an interesting result. I mean, I actually, I don't know if we ever said this on the podcast, but I kind of view the Giants and the Mariners as similar teams. They're neither are too good, neither have too good of pitching, but they each have two like electric outfielders and some really nice pieces in the infield. I'm not shocked that the you know that the Giants lost two out of three. I think both teams will be, you know, just under 500 for the majority of the year. Um, it was good to see the Mariners pitch well, which is something that they have not done, I guess, since Felix left, really. I mean, when, when was the last time they had pitching that was, like, really that good? Um, never. <laughs> Randy Paxton, Johnson? Paxton I don't had know. one good year. Actually, Paxton, I think, pitched. Did he pitch? I'm pretty sure he pitched. I think he pitched. And I'm looking at the scorecards, and... Uh, if he pitched game one, it wasn't good, but otherwise good series. So I do want to point out again, going back to the whole thing about it being 2011, that um, Evan Longoria also had a crazy series and Longoria and Posey are currently 10 and 11 respectively in terms of OPS throughout major league baseball. Uh, Longoria is at uh, 1371 and Posey is at 1333. Yeah. Look for them to keep that up the whole year. I agree. I definitely most uh, absolutely they're going to keep it up the whole year. One Longoria was good last year, so he's still he still hits. And the guy who's leading in OPS is none other than Eric Hosmer with an OPS over two thousand. <laughs> so, yeah, you know that's going to hold up. And then um, I think we mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast. I, and I do just want to shout out Cattell Marte because he's so damn good. Uh, he, is. he is also currently third in OPS in Major League Baseball. Which team do we want to go to next? So to get through, I mean, we did not talk about the Indians or Tigers yet, which was a weird series. Talk about them. I'm down. We could talk about them. I mean, one of my least favorite pitchers in baseball, Matt. Actually, I hate all of the Tigers pitchers. Let me just point it out there. But I don't like Matt Boyd, but he had an awesome game one. Um, and he outpitched yeah, out- Bieber. He outdueled Shane Bieber. Miguel Cabrera hit the first home run of the year in the snow. 
again, 2011. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. But also, like, it it snowed. It was like blizzarding. Very weird. Eh, um, Detroit, you know. Detroit, I agree. Um, so that was an exciting game one. If you're a Detroit fan, and they won game two as well. They, um, I wow, I forgot. Taharan is also on the Tigers now. I forgot about that signing. That was that worked out well. He had a f- good first game. Plesak pitched. He got the loss, but he had a good game as well. And then in game three, they got killed. Uh, so you hate to see that. I think it was Daniel Norris was the losing pitcher. It looks like he gave up quite a few runs in the first two innings. Um, and Savale was the pitcher for the Indians. And so the Indians get one of two. And I'm trying to see if they played yesterday. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're uh, today. So they're playing right now. But yeah, the Indians are one and two, and the Detroit Tigers, who are coached by AJ Hinch, by the way. Um, well, they're two. They're start. two and two. They're two and two now because they just got bamboozled by the Twins. Um, they did. Jose Urena pitched today, actually. Well, well, there you go. Bad. Very hilarious. Yeah. Someone who I want to bring up uh, on the Tigers is Akil Badu, who is actually having a crazy start to the season right now. He's only appeared in two games, but he has two home runs and five RBIs, batting 429, OPS of 1714. A highly touted prospect for a very long time. Good to see the Tigers uh, know how to manage a farm system. Cool, cool. I mean, uh, for all the things that AJ Hinch was not, like, you know, not a cheating, he was a cheater, obviously, but he did manage the, his young players very well. I mean, all of those picks that they made, most all of homegrown, them and all, yeah. So, the, you know, for a team that has Scooball, I'm going to botch all of these pronunciations, but you have Scooball, you have uh, Manning, and you have Casey Mize, Casey Mize, and you have Torkelson. T- four top twenty-five prospects coming up. Well, there's no so, way that Torkelson's coming up anytime soon, but no, he he really might come up soon. He's he's probably the most MLB ready prospect. It's a matter of if they want to call him up. We'll see. I would I would say if they're making a if they're like decent by the end of the year, I could see it. There's no way. There's no there's way, way. Torkelson gets brought up. Uh, another brought guy, up. another guy who did well for Detroit, no more Mazzara. Loved him on Texas, love him in MLB the show. He always pops off. Just want to mention him. Thank you very much. Let's talk Kansas City, Texas. Wow, was the offense on fire in this series. Yeah, bad pitching, man, all around. All around bad pitching. We kind of expected it from both teams, but I do just want to say that Kansas City looks really good at bad, and Whit Merrifield is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, also, they got an underrated signing in Michael A. Taylor, who, if you guys think back a couple years to the World Series with the Nationals, almost blew it. (laughs) Yeah, so he... He's off to a really good start. He had a home run and, and drove in three runs in the first game in a game that was 14-10 and a combined 30 hits. So pitching was not good. I actually picked up the pitcher in that game, and that was a mistake. So don't do that. Don't pick yeah, up I, any pitchers. Wait, you didn't you pick up like Brad Keller, right? Yeah, he he started game one and then gave up five runs in the first inning, and that was it. And yeah, game, there she blows. <laughs> And Texas it doesn't even have a good offense, and I and I still botched it. But what are you gonna do? You know? Yeah. Um, you could argue. You could argue that. I mean, okay, Whit Merrifield's playing right now, and he hit a home run. But you can make the argument that Whit Merrifield's the MVP right now. Just saying. Uh, literally, maybe he's actually amazing. I mean, either him, either him or Hosmer, which is ironic. Always... <laughs> ironic because Kansas City. Thank you. Yeah, you're actually right. Actually, this has been my TED talk. Kansas City first basemans. 
Nate Lau, low? No, Nate Low. Isn't he on Texas? Yes, you're actually correct. I forgot about that. Okay. But regardless, can't so in this series, Nate Lau, low. How do you pronounce his name? Oh, we'll figure it out eventually. I agree. So he hit a home run. And for those that remember, he was on the Rays last we saw him. So that's exciting. So, you know, some, some players changing, changing guard, getting some home runs in there. Yeah, Joey um, Gallo had a crazy series. He's batting 417, OBP of 611. <laughs> yeah, he, he actually should have a high on base percentage, even with the horrible strikeout issue and the low batting average because he yeah. just walks like among the best in the league. But yeah, he had a great see. series. You're right. Nate Lau had a great series. Someone who I thought was a super duper underrated signing and David Dahl had a great series for yeah, Texas. That was, that was a great. The fact that the Rockies just DFA'd him was absurd. Yeah, won the world. Um, Isaiah Kiner Falefa had a good series. I love him. Great because the Rangers just sold off um, their longtime shortstop in Elvis Andrews this past offseason. So that's a good sign for Rangers fans. But my main takeaway, my main takeaway from this series is that the Royals can hit, dude. Yeah, they can. They can. They can hit. Brendan and I have been saying this since the since our off-season recap video um, episode that this team has a sneaky good um a a sneaky sneaky good uh lineup just no barely any pitching worth mentioning besides like maybe Brad Keller but i mean obviously not given yeah, his they, first they game Brady Singer who's like been teasing I don't want to say stardom, but he was a top prospect. He's been teasing some things for years, and he might, you know, maybe this is the year he kind of breaks through. Um, also, uh, people like are quick to forget. I think they have Mikel Franco now too. He's been playing well. They have Michael Franco. They also have Hanser Alberto, who was almost winning batting titles for a while. Um, they, they also have Jorge Soler, and he's an awesome power hitter always hits ding dongs did not have a great series. I'll say that in terms of the batting average department, uh, only a 200 batting average OBP of 500 though, and an OPS of a thousand. So you love to see that. Um, ben Intendi, new acquisition. Oh, would you look at who's on the pod right now? So I'm taking a leave of absence for this week's episode. And I'm glad, uh, you know, Matt and Logan are educating you guys on opening day weekend, but um, the Mets have been postponed, as they've likely said before, but my official prediction uh, as of recording right now is going to drop after the Mets game tonight. My, my official prediction is the Mets continue their opening day success. LFGM, that's all I got. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thank Appreciate you so it. much for that useful acquisition or that useful addition to our uh, podcast today. Yeah, it's been a great You're episode. A Mets jersey. The, the audacity on that man. The audacity. What was I saying? LFGM. Oh, yeah, speaking- what were you saying before you rudely interrupted? This is going to be a funny transition. Speaking of the Mets, the Royals are... <laughs> Good one. <laughs> ah, got him. The Royals have a great, great underrated lineup that I'm very excited to see how they turn out for the rest of the season. And this initial series against Texas only proves my excitement. We'll see how well they fare for the rest of the season. Uh, I think we have, let's see, which series have we not done? We did all of the AL East, all the AL Central, Astros, A's. My goodness, can the Astros still hit? <laughs> yeah, that you know, it's really disappointing because I am really high on the A's. 
as you should be high on the A's. They're, you know, consistently one of the best teams in baseball that nobody talks about. But boy, did they get shellacked. And it was clear to everyone that they could not pitch with the best of them. So, yeah, I mean, I think we all have the A's winning the division right now. But we could look back at this series and be like, and if the Astros win the AL West by the end of the year, we could look back on this initial series and be like, oh, we should have seen this coming. They outscored the A's 35 to nine yeah. in four games. Really, really impressive, especially when you like think about how good the A's are on both sides of the ball. Like, yes, their pitching is, is it's, it's always great, but we never know why it's so good. But their hitting, no matter who they have batting, is always amazing. But now Marcus Semyon's gone, okay? And he's also hit pretty well. At least he looks, he looks like he belongs in the Toronto lineup. And the Athletics have six hits in game one, look awful. They lose by eight runs. And I'm trying to find game two. They, they were off on Friday. Then in game two, oh my God, one run off three hits and they give up 13 hits and nine runs. Like they don't look like they're the class of the AL, let alone the AL West. You can make, you can make the California. argument. You can make the argument that this is this. They had the Astros had the best series. I mean, it's not really that much of an argument. The Astros had the best series out of any team on opening weekend for sure. Yeah. You know what? I'm yeah. going to say that. For sure. Probably. They probably Are you kidding did. me? Bregman had a crazy season. I mean, series. Brantley had a great series. Jordan Alvarez hit. I'm trying to see he, who Goriel. else. People, Goriel hit. He's um, back, I think. I actually think he's going to be amazing this year. So Tucker didn't really hit. Like Kyle Tucker didn't really hit, but he's. I guess he's like currently leading the league in RBIs if you don't count Whit Merrifield. Um today how, how do you not really hit and then become in second in rbis i don't know altuve is hit, hit like everybody in this lineup did so well and the ace pitching just could not keep up and it's so sad yeah the pitching the pitching was really bad but honestly it's the it's the batting for me that's like even more alarming i think the pitching will normalize but this team is not one to hit for like such good average they have Mark Hanna, who could hit for some average, and Pinder, and a couple other guys that could hit for average. But no one's going to mistake Olsen and Chapman as average hitters. They definitely Absolutely hit runs. But they, they both have, have high strikeout rates. Olsen has a great walk rate, but not as much Chapman. And they both hit like 235, maybe. You know, two, 235 to 250 would be like on the high end. So for them to not hit, and then the rest of the lineup not hitting well, not even like Raymond Moore, uh, Ramon Laureano, like they're, they're struggling right now. And for a team that's amazing at everything in the game, it's a problem if they're not hitting home runs like they usually do. So we'll see. Not we'll ideal. have to see. We'll really have to see. Cause I mean, right now we have the A's winning the division and they're uh, four games back. So that's great. <laughs> four games back to the Astros. So yeah, not, it's actually interesting. So this is a good segue. So because oh, the other, the, the only other game that the only other series we didn't talk about was, I think, Braves and Phillies. And this is yeah. a great segue for what I'm about to say. The A's and the Braves are what we predicted as probably two top six teams in baseball conservatively and two division winners. And they are both 0 and 3. Yeah. One, one's 0 and 3, one's 0 and 4. And the Phillies beat up on the Braves. They didn't and- even, but it's not even like that. Like, with the A's and Astros, the Astros hitting just completely overpowered the A's pitching. True. In the, this series was close, though. That's true. The Phillies series was the complete opposite. 
it was that the Braves couldn't hit if their lives depended on it. They scored three runs in three games. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, not it, great. It's, it's, yeah. And you know what's even, what's like, if you're a Braves fan, at least you could take solace in the fact that the pitching looked amazing. But like, you have one of the best offenses in baseball. You have maybe two of the top, like, five or six best hitters last year in Freeman and Ozuna. And, and, and that's not even talking about Acuna, who's probably a top three MVP candidate. And again, albeit that, that team is stacked and they could not buy a hit and they got one total hit in the, th- in the third game of the series. Like, yeah. That was bad. No, it's not, second it's not game, great at all. Game. Oh no. Was it second game or third game? I think it was, a, it was the second game of the series. They got one hit. It's awful. Are you talking about against Wheeler? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's another thing. Wheeler was amazing. Well, let's go over the starters real quick. Okay. So, so, um, it was Nola game one, Wheeler game two, Zach Eflin game three. Okay. Listen to this. Listen to what I freaking said. All right. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm goddamn saying. Nola, six and two thirds, six hits, no walks, six strikeouts. Equivalent of a 2.7 ERA, 0.9 whip. Wheeler, the next day, or the next game, seven innings, one hit, no runs, 10 strikeouts, a 0.14 whip, and the average against was a 0.045. And to top it all off, Zach Eflin, yesterday, or I guess on Sunday when this comes out, on Sunday, seven innings pitched, only one run given up, and a whip of 0.71 along with eight strikeouts. And the bullpen didn't give up a single run in the limited amount of times. That's what I was going to say. What's so important about that. And and Matt has talked about this when he made that NOLA prediction as interesting as it is. The Phillies had like the most historically bad bullpen the last couple of years. And in a series in which NOLA pitched great and Wheeler pitched great and now Eflin pitched great, the bullpen, I think, had a combined eight innings or, or, or it was like nine innings in, of, in three games and they give up no runs. So now they're rested and they're producing totally rested. Oh, my God. They're totally rested, which is and, a- and they steal game. They steal three games from the Braves who who figure to blow teams out. And this was which a, is huge. a great showing. It's huge. It's more huge for the Phillies winning, sweeping the Braves than the Astros sweeping the A's. Because the Astros are like, uh, they're pretty much, they're in contention already. Again, we think the A's are going to win, but they're in contention. The Phillies, on the other hand, I mean, I'm, I'm like 99% confident that the, the Braves are winning this division. But these three games, I mean, you could lose a division by one game. That's all I'm saying. Like, I know it's like, you could say, I mean, and I will say this for the Yankees, obviously, but like. Yeah, it's, I agree. it's the opening series, and like you really can't gauge a lot about certain teams, but a dub is a dub. A win's a win. Yeah, also, it is... I, I actually was thinking about this today on my run, and yes, for those at home, I ran for a point four miles today. It was Let's good. Let's go, Logan. Yeah, one for the good guys. But I was thinking about it. This Phillies team reminds me a lot of the Marlins team that had Stanton and Ozuna and Fernandez, like a really talented team that never put it together. However, I would argue that this Phillies team is much better coached and the bullpens are kind of similar, not on the great side, not on the bad side, maybe, hopefully. I would be ecstatic to see if a former Yankee manager, Girardi, is able to get through to this Phillies roster 
and turn them into the contender that they should be, given that they have Harper and Wheeler and um, Nola and Real Muto and Didi and, Ro- and, and Reese Hoskins, Rice Hoskins, whatever, Rice Reese Hoskins, Hoskins, whatever his name is. Um, this team is very talented. I also don't project them to get many wins, but I want to be wrong about this because they're kind of fun now. Like they're kind of a fun team to root for. I mean, Brendan would never say that, but we can say that now because he's off the pod. <laughs> he's been fired. He's yeah, I agree. He's been um, there's comments that he made. Yeah, uh, management's yeah. talking to him right now. <laughs> yeah, he's also gonna edit this episode and he's gonna probably delete half of it. But like, it's fine if you if you're hearing this. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But um, yeah. With I think did, did we talk about every team now? We talked about every team. I think let's do quick takeaways just from opening day. Astros definitely had the best series. Phillies were the most surprising despite their performance, or I guess because we are surprised at their pitching performance because of how bad their pitching was last year. It is a breath of fresh air in Philadelphia to sweep a division rival that is so good as the Braves. I mean, it was the Braves, but to do it with pitching, not with the hitting that they spent so much money on, but the pitching. dollars, yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> Literally so many stimulus checks, but <laughs> yes. But it's a breath of a breath of fresh air in Philly. Who are your so so what was your who had do you agree with me with like, you know, best series was the Astros and like I guess in the yeah. AL and then the NL was the was the Phillies? I would I would mostly agree. I think the only one that I, I would okay, I'll say Astros. I will say the the Orioles also really showed out. They just did it against a much worse team than the than the Astros did against the um the A's. Yeah. And yeah, as far as the NL goes, I would say the Phillies had probably the best opening weekend. I would say the Reds also had a very surprisingly good opening weekend. Um and of course, we're still waiting on two, you know, two top not I don't want to say top teams, but two teams that are figuring to make either the playoffs or win the division in the Mets and Nationals, they haven't really played or they have not played. So we're waiting on them. That'll be interesting. Um, some players to highlight, because I feel like I have to say this because Brendan did make a point to say it in our group chat. I had to say it, and I am a man of my word. Aaron Judge has looked awful. I'll be the first, second, and third to admit it. If you've watched the Yankee games, you can probably... You need probably two hands to count how many times Judge struck out or hit into a double play with runners in scoring position. Him and Stanton. Yeah, well, Stanton that's what they didn't do. didn't even play one of the games. But yeah, no. He needed a rest. Start. He needed a rest. The, the $250 million man needed a, a baby. No, you know what? It's very tiring running to first base. It is. Has, I don't even know if he has a hit yet. But you got to give him credit. You got to give. I agree. You got to give Stanton um, credit. He shows and, up every day and he puts on that uniform. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, he's uh, I'm hoping at the time of release, he has a home run or two. I, I'm going to predict it. Whatever. We'll see. We'll see. The Yankees do so well against the Orioles and specifically Judge. We'll and, see. And Glaber, but yes. That's true. Glaber uh, had like 13 home runs against them last two years ago. I agree. So did Judge. Uh, quick Mets Nationals predictions because it's their opening day tonight. This is obviously coming, like Brendan said, this is coming out after their game starts in like half an hour but uh for us it hasn't started yet so let's go run predictions what's the score at the end of this game 
Let me hear it. Yeah, I mean, all right, yeah. So we got Mets Phillies. It's Matt Moore versus Jacob DeGrom. Oh, Mets. I'm sorry. It is Mets Phillies. It's not Mets Nationals. Yeah, oh, I'm well, sorry. I was going to say Nationals play tomorrow against the Braves, which I don't know who the Nationals are going to throw, but that could be an awesome game because you can end up having like Ian Anderson against like Max Scherzer. Yeah, that would or be. Or even Strasburg. Like, it could be really cool, but we're, well, I guess we'll get to that. Okay. It's, it's not for tomorrow, but it, yeah, in the next 30 minutes, I'm sure I'm going to hear Brendan yelling. I, the, the Mets really should win. And I'm going to say the Mets are going to win because if the Grom can outpitch Matt Moore, then the Mets have much bigger issues. So I'll say score prediction. I'll say five to two because the Mets don't really score all that much. And well, maybe they did last year, but let's not forget that the Grom has had like 20 wins in the previous two years combined. Okay. Like that's insane. That's just run support like, though. Like he's a great know, pitcher. You have but, to say that. Oh, of course he's a great, he's the best pitcher, but he doesn't get run support. And I don't think we're going to just blatantly change that now. So I'll say five, two, they went five, two. I think it's super important to note about what we just said, how the Phillies bullpen is really rested and how they're on a hot streak right now. I think it's so important. And you're right, the fact that Jacob DeGrom doesn't really get run support. I mean, I'm not going to guarantee that he doesn't get run support, but I'm going to say it's a close game tonight. I'm going to say 4-3 Phillies. Now, here's a now for some reason, we're talking about betting a lot this episode, I feel like. But here's a little tidbit. We just both predicted that the score would add up to 7. The over-under for tonight's game is 7.5. Oh! Now, betting the under on a DeGrom game is about as lock of a lock as you can be. Pop it, lock it, polka dot it. Yeah, but just but the fact that Matt and I agree on this, you obviously should bet the over. Obviously, should obviously, unset. You should obviously bet the over. Obviously, the public, we don't mess around here. Okay, I mean I don't even bet, but if I were a betting man, I would bet the Phillies in the over just for shiggles. Uh, and, we're gonna, and, you know, we'll we're gonna, we're gonna totally hit on these bets, and we're gonna it's get gonna be so fun. We're, it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be so, so fun. fun. It's gonna be so fun. Bren's gonna be so mad, and we're both gonna get addicted to gambling, and it's gonna be great. <laughs> But this is the way. And it, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. it's okay. Look, addictions can always be broken. And the first thing that you have to notice is that you have an addiction. So I agree. And you should call a hotline. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but obligatorily, we have to say it. And that's not a word, but I just said it. So deal with it. Are we really ending the pod by talking about gambling addiction? <laughs> <laughs> no, but we, you know, we could. What else do we have? Hey! <laughs> and the Mets lose. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tune in next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Baseball for Breakfast. Feel free to rate us highly on any podcast providing platform and feel free to follow us on social media. It's at Baseball for Breakfast on Instagram and at Baseball for Bre1 on Twitter. See you next week for more on America's National Pastime.